0: Welcome back for day two of week three of our look through the book of Judges. We're going to look at Judges chapter 8, verses 5 to 27 today. Yesterday, you might remember, we began a look at how you survive your successes. And Gideon taught us yesterday that to survive your successes, you have to be humble. To survive your successes, you have to be faithful. Two more lessons today. Number three, the third lesson is, if I'm going to survive the successes of life, I have to turn away from the drain of detours. I have to turn away from the drain of detours. When success comes into your life, the attention that it brings also brings from within yourself and from outside of yourself the temptation to take a lot of detours. In the increased attention that comes because of the success, in the increased opportunities that come because of the success, you're gonna have many, many opportunities to take detours. Now, those detours can come by seeking personal acclaim. They can come by resting upon your past successes. They can come by involvement in the unimportant. They can come in the way that you relate to others. There's a lot of ways that you can go down these detours. Many of the detours have to do with new opportunities. Should you take advantage of all those opportunities? Or do you need to still be faithful to the one that God has put in front of you? Gideon's temptation was that of wasting time on those who wouldn't support him in the cause. It was a detour. He had this great victory, but not everybody was on board with him. He could have wasted time on those who weren't supporting him. When you get seventy percent on board, you can waste a lot of time trying to get the other thirty percent on board. When all you need is the seventy percent to move ahead. So listen to what happens to Gideon when they reach. This is uh, Judges chapter eight, starting in verse five. When they reach Succoth, Gideon asked leaders of the town. Please give my warriors some food. They are very tired. I'm chasing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth replied, Catch Zeba and Zalmunna first, and then we will feed your army. So Gideon said, After the Lord gives me victory over Zeba and Zalmunna, I will return and tear your flesh with the thorns and briars from the wilderness. Now, Gideon obviously has some difficulties with emotions in this moment but he doesn't get stuck in a detour. Even though he's angry, and sometimes your anger can get you stuck, he moves on into what God wants him to do. There's this temptation to get caught into fighting his own people, fighting those who wouldn't support him instead of fighting the enemy. How did Gideon handle the temptation? Single word, later. He said, I'll come back later and do this. He recognized his priorities and he stuck to his priorities. So to survive your successes, you have to be single-minded. Success can cause you to focus on the past or can cause you to get caught up in the detours that are right in the present. If you're going to enjoy the successes and go on to the next one that God has in your life, you have to be single-minded. You can't get caught up in all the detours. There's many, many, many companies who've had to learn that lesson. There's many, many, many parents who've had to learn that lesson. There's many, many involved in ministry who've had to learn that lesson. To survive success, you have to be single-minded. And now a fourth lesson from Gideon about how to survive success. Number four, you resist the temptation of the pedestal. Resist the temptation of the pedestal. Anytime there's a success, anytime there's a victory, a pedestal committee immediately forms. This group of people who want to lift you up, put you on the pedestal, honor you, tell you how great you are, partly so they can sort of bask in the glory of your success. Maybe it's because they love you and they really want to lift up what you've done but they want to put you on a pedestal. Take care when they nominate you for a pedestal. Pedestals look pretty, but they destroy usefulness in your life. They destroy it in two specific ways, that pedestal that people want to put you on. Number one, they separate you from your purpose. Battles have been won from horseback and mountaintop, from battleship and tank and fighter jet, but no one has ever won a battle from the top of a pedestal. Pedestals are for statues. Pedestals are for dead people. So, they separate you from your purpose, from what God has for you to do in your life. And the second danger of a pedestal is they fill you with pride. Oh, look, I'm up on this pedestal. Oh, look, I'm looking down on everybody else. Gideon's response to the pedestal committee well, there's some really good news and bad news here. First, he does the right thing. In chapter 8, verse 22, then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers, for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son, the Lord, will rule over you. What a perfect answer. He recognized that success and pedestals don't mix, and he drew the people's attention away from himself, and he put the attention on God. Perfect. In his first response, Gideon teaches us this fourth quality that you and I have to have to survive success. To survive successes, you have to have a servant's heart. You have to have a heart (laughs) that looks at the success and realizes it's from God. So I'm grateful that God allowed me to be involved in that success, but it's from him. So the glory is his, the pedestal is his, all of it is his. And I just get to be involved in what he is doing. And Gideon immediately does that. So he does the right thing first, but then the bad news is he immediately does the wrong thing. He makes the huge mistake of trying to put God on a pedestal. Verse 24, look at what happens. However, Gideon says, I do have one request that each one of you give me an earring from the plunder that you collected from your fallen enemies. The enemies, being Ishmaelites, all wore gold earrings. Gladly, they replied. They spread out a cloak, and each one threw in a gold earring that he had gathered from the plunder. And the weight of the gold earrings was 43 pounds, not including the royal ornaments and pendants, the purple clothing worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains around the necks of the camels. Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold, and he put it in Ophrah, his hometown. But soon, all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it, and it became a trap for Gideon and his family. So he does the right thing first, exactly the right thing, and then he does the wrong thing second, exactly the wrong thing. That's why I think so many of us can relate to Gideon, because we we tend to mix doing the right thing and the wrong thing in our life, just like he did. And so the wrong thing that he did was he tried to put God on a pedestal. He made a golden sacred ephod, which he put in his hometown so everybody could recognize that God was the one who'd done this victory. Now, what's so wrong with this? Well, God said, you shall not make a graven image of me. It's one of the Ten Commandments. He's breaking the Ten Commandments here. And the reason it's so wrong is because it limits God to that pedestal or that image. You can't put God on a pedestal because nobody could build a pedestal large enough. We simply need to recognize God's presence in every day, in every moment of our lives. And Anytime you try to build something, some kind of an idol that we worship that recognizes who he is, it always limits God. And the other thing it always does is it makes us feel like we can control God because I can move that idol around. I can put it in my hometown so everybody can recognize where this came from. We begin to think wrongly that we can control God. Now, I don't want to end with the negative because there's so much positive in Gideon's life. So back to the positive, these positive truths that we learn from Gideon. How do I survive successes? Through humility, through faithfulness, through single-mindedness, through a servant's heart. That's where you see the open doors to the usefulness that God has for your life, to the next great thing that God wants to do in your life, to the being faithful with the great things that he's just done in your life. That's where you see all that happen. Now, all of these things, as we talked about yesterday, they all come from him and not for us. So we're trusting him for all of them. Let's trust him once again. Would you pray with me? Father, once again, we trust you as we did yesterday for humility, for faithfulness in our lives. And we add to that that we want to trust you to have that single-minded focus about the purpose that you have for our lives. It's so easy to get distracted in this world. Lord, help us to not be distracted. We need your help. We need your strength. Help us to stay focused on what's most important, what you want us to be doing right now. And Lord, give us a servant's heart. Jesus, you have a servant's heart. You showed it to us when you came and you gave your life for us. You didn't come to be served, you came to serve. Give us your heart towards people. We need you to give us your heart. In ourselves, we tend to focus on ourselves. We tend to become prideful and self-centered. We don't want that. We want a servant's heart. We want to look at other people with love, with your love. And so we ask that you'd work this into us because of your heart for us, Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to learn how to get off the shelf from a judge by the name of Jephthah.